Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, give us a call. The number is 208-991-4783. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, today's episode has been brought to you by the support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all of your support. And now it is time to listen to today's episode of Sherlock Holmes. This one's called The Bloomsbury Ballad. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present that immortal character created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's story, The Adventure of the Bloomsbury Ballad. Why the deuce are we prowling around inside this deserted old house? To observe, Watson, and perhaps to meet an occupant. Ah, confounded, Holmes. The place has been empty and boarded up for 30 years. No one lives here. So, no one lives here, Watson. Listen. door of Dr. John Watson's study, and we're about to hear another of his adventures with the fabulous Sherlock Holmes. Well, good evening, Mr. Harris. <laughs> good evening, Dr. Watson. Uh, what memoir do you have for us tonight, sir? I call it The Adventure of the Bloomsbury Ballad, Mr. Harris. And after you've presented your audience with a few facts on Clippercraft clothes, I shall be very glad to tell you the whole story. Thank you, Doctor. Consider the words inexpensive and value. Now, the price of a suit tells you whether or not it is inexpensive, but tells you nothing about its quality. So you must consider not only the cost, but also what you get for your money before you can be sure you have a real value. And two words that really, truly mean honest value are clippercraft, because clippercraft means higher quality at lower prices. And clippercraft clothes are available at your local independent clippercraft dealer, the store you can trust. You can always identify these clothes by the famous Clippercraft label, the wheel of a clipper ship. Just examine Clippercraft's expensive-looking top coats and overcoats at only forty to forty-seven fifty. Then check Clippercraft's handsome new zipper-lining top coats, and you'll see how much less you'll pay for quality that's finer. Yes, for the real meaning of the word value, just compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, what about the adventure of the Bloomsbury Ballad? Well, Mr. Harris, it took place just before the turn of the century, in December of 1899. At this time, Holmes and I became involved through an old and personal friendship of mine. 
On Bloomsbury Square here in London stood a once imposing townhouse, which for 30 years had been empty and boarded up. <laughs> Perhaps, Mr. Harris, I'm getting ahead of my story. It actually begins in the legal office of the Honorable Reginald Dudley Solicitor on Chancery Lane near the Temple. One afternoon, Mr. Dudley received an unexpected visitor. So, you don't recognize me, Mr. Dudley. Look here, my dear sir. I'm a very busy man. You've come to my office without an appointment. I assure you that I haven't the faintest idea who you are. Then let me refresh your memory, Mr. Dudley. Thirty years ago, a financier named Sir Percy Wickford owned a great house on Bloomsbury Square. He had two daughters, the eldest Elaine, the younger Elizabeth, a beautiful girl with great talent at the harp. Elizabeth, incidentally, married a man named Arthur Harvey. Shall I go on? Yes, yeah, yes, go on. Sir Percy Wickford became involved in some illegal financial scandal, and the family was disgraced. Arthur Harvey, because of the stain on the family name, left the Wickfords, vanished. And Sir Percy, with his two daughters, fled England, sailed for Canada. You seem to be well informed so far, my friend. I am indeed. The reason you shall learn later. see. The vessel carrying the Wickfords went down off Ireland with no survivors. The residue of the Wickford estate, some 50,000 pounds, and the old house is now being administered by yourself as solicitor. That is true. But since there are no living relatives of the Wickfords, the old house goes up for auction next week and the money disposed of at my discretion. Now, Mr. Dudley, that is where you're mistaken. What do you mean? There is a living relative of the Wickfords. Oh, indeed. Who? Myself. I am Arthur Harvey. You... You are Yes, Arthur... Mr. Dudley. And I have the credentials to prove it. As the husband of Elizabeth Whitford deceased, I am the sole heir to the Whitford fortune. Yes? Who is it? The room clerk here at the hotel, Mr. Harvey. I have a message for you, sir. Oh, just a moment. I... What the... You! No! No, don't! <gasps> Joan Holmes. Mm, what is it, Watson? Well, according to the Morning Telegraph here, a man named Arthur Harvey, recently returned from India, was stabbed to death in his rooms at the Travellers Club on Pall Mall yesterday evening. The official police have no clues to the identity of the mysterious assailant. Indeed, a most regrettable affair, no doubt. I... What is it, Watson? You look a bit upset. Well, Holmes, I, I knew Arthur Harvey many years ago in India. We fought through the Afghan war together. Indeed, he saved my life from the Gazis near Kandahar. Really? You know, I, I recall his telling me he was the sole member of a marriage of the now extinct Wickford family on Bloomsbury Square. I see. And so you would like to catch his murderer and avenge his death? Yes, Holmes, I would indeed. In that case, Watson, let us proceed at once to Pall Mall and the Travellers Club. <laughs> Lucky the official police haven't moved the body yet. Arthur Harvey here was stabbed at the entrance to the door here, fell back into the room, dressed in nightrobe and on the point of retiring. The knife was plunged deep and straight into the heart and... Aha! What is it, Holmes? Note, Watson. Observe on the dead man's nightrobe a tiny bit of yellow paper in the shape of a star. What about it? This is a bit of paper clipped by a railway ticket collector's punch. You mean Harvey here was riding a train just before... No, 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 no. The killer was riding a train before he came here, Watson. This bit of paper from the ticket collector's punch clung to his coat. 
When the assassin stabbed Harvey, the paper remnant was transferred from the killer's coat to Harvey's nightrobe in the close contact. Now then, Watson. Yes, sir? I recall reading that the Wickford House on Bloomsbury Square is up for auction next week with a solicitor named Reginald Dudley as administrator. That is correct. Add to that the fact that Arthur Harvey here was the legitimate heir to the property, and we have an intriguing problem. By Jove, Holmes, you're right. Quite. But now suppose we divide forces. You investigate the origin of this ticket punch with the London Railway System, and I shall pay a call on Mr. Dudley. And you have no idea who might have murdered Arthur Harvey, Mr. Dudley? No, Mr. Holmes, I do not. You must be aware, however, that Harvey might have had several enemies. Indeed? Yes, yes. You see, you see there are still many claimants that will wait for the state. Some impostors, some with vague claims. Some of these people were desperate for money. And, well, you understand? Yes, quite. To destroy the only legitimate heir would reestablish other claims in the court. An obvious conclusion, Mr. Dudley. Perhaps too obvious. And oh, oh, before I leave, yes. you are left-handed, are you not, Mr. Dudley? Well, yes, yes, I am, but how... Did... A few elementary observations not worthy of explanation. I wish to point out, however, that you have a black smudge on your left cuff, a rather jarring note in an otherwise fastidious ensemble. Now, Mr. Dudley, I must bid you good evening. Ah, Watson, any results? Uh, Holmes, I've been running around London like a madman, trying to trace down that ticket punch. I've been to every railway station above and under the ground. Oh, come, man, get to the point. Did you find the origin of that ticket remnant? Yes, Holmes, I did. It was used last night by a collector on the Central London Railway. And he used that particular ticket punch between the stations of the British Museum in Bloomsbury and Chancery Lane. Bloomsbury, the Chancery Lane... Capital, Watson. You've completed a first-class bit of investigation. We're making excellent progress. Come, let's be off. Where to, Holmes? Bloomsbury Square. I should like to have a look at the old Wickford house. Well, Watson, there it is. The old Wickford house. Yes, Holmes. Confounded while we're down here on Bloomsbury Square in the dead of night, just to look at it. Look. Where? At that window on the upper story. A light. Light? I don't see any light, Holmes. You must be mistaken. On the contrary, I'm quite sure I saw the glimmer of a light, and I'm positive this house has an occupant. (laughs) The place has been deserted for three decades. Has it, Watson? Suppose we effect an entrance and see for ourselves. Well, Dr. Watson, Dr. Watson, this is an unusual adventure. What about that light in the window of the deserted house? What happened after that? A series of very strange events, Mr. Harris. And I shall relate them to you immediately after you present a few facts on Clippercraft clothes. You may not know it, but you have a personal value scout right in your own hometown. Your private agent is the friendly independent store in your community that sells clothes with the Clippercraft label. Your Clippercraft dealer spent plenty of time seeking out the greatest clothing value your money could buy. Naturally, he chose Clippercraft. And why wouldn't he? When Clippercraft makes it possible for you to own one of the most luxurious suits you've ever seen for only forty or forty-five dollars, and a Clippercraft suit of pure worsted for as little as forty-five dollars, a suit with more hand tailoring details than you would ever expect to find at that low price. 
It takes great planning to give you so much fine quality for so little money. In fact, it takes the concentrated buying power of more than 1,200 independent Clippercraft dealers from coast to coast. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes bearing the Clippercraft label. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and overcoats. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Now, Dr. Watson, you were relating to us the adventure of the Bloomsbury Ballet. So I was, Mr. Harris. So I was. As you remember, Holmes saw a light in the window and determined to effect an entrance. We managed to get into the house through a ground floor window. Then we started to prowl through the house, through the cold, dark rooms laden with the dust of the years, cluttered with grotesque furniture and the relics of a musty past. And then... What the devil is it? Who is it? Sounds like a ghostly musician upstairs playing a... Precisely, Watson. A harp. But why, Holmes? Why? Why would anyone play a harp here in this empty, gloomy house? Suppose we go upstairs and see. How she's dressed. The style of 30 years ago. Good evening. Oh, oh good evening, gentlemen. My, my, but I'm afraid you startled me. Did we? Oh, indeed you did. I had no idea we were that cold this evening. Then welcome to Whitford House. Oh, thank you, madam. Uh, won't you sit by the fire and warm yourself? My sister Elaine will be here presently. Elaine? Uh, yes, I am Elizabeth Whitford. And my sister is Elaine. Well, that's absurd. You're both supposed Quiet, to be... Quiet, Watson. Miss Whitford, allow me to present Dr. Watson. I am Sherlock Holmes. Oh, Dr. Watson, Sherlock Holmes. How nice, how very nice. Didn't I meet you at the reception last week? Reception, madam? What reception? Why, Buckingham Palace to Her Majesty Queen Victoria. I must say Her Majesty looks very young for 35. Oh, Queen Victoria's gone, you know. Now it's Edward. I'm afraid we were not invited to the reception, madam. I trust it was a brilliant affair. Oh, yes, Mr. Holmes. Lovely, lovely. A distinguished gathering. I met Benjamin Disraeli, Jenny Lind, Alfred Kennedy. Holmes, now the man is mad. All these people are dead. Yes, quite possible. Yes, Miss Whitford, they're all famous indeed. This is a great and fruitful year for Britain, isn't it? Yes, Mr. Holmes, yes, indeed. And in less than 30 years, we shall all be seeing the turn of a new century. Isn't it exciting? It's amazing. 
In a few days now, it'll be the new year. 1873. Oh, I do wish Arthur was with me now. Arthur? Oh, yes. Arthur Harvey, my husband. You see, I am really Mrs. Arthur Harvey. But, uh, Arthur left me not long ago. Something about one of Father's unfortunate financial transactions. Sir Percy Rickford, you know. And you don't know where Arthur is? No, Mr. Holmes. But every evening at this time here in my house, I play the harp. Arthur loves the harp. In that selection I was just playing was his favorite. I play it in the hope that he will return to me someday. Let us hope, madam, that he will. Elizabeth! Oh. Elizabeth, is there someone with you? Oh, Elaine, come into the sitting room, my dear. Elizabeth, I was once... Oh. Elaine, this is Mr. Holmes, and, and this is Dr. Washington. He might have seen Elaine this uh, way. How do you know? I cannot say that I've had the pleasure. Uh, we have some acquaintance with Arthur Harvey. Isn't that lovely, Elaine? They know Arthur, Arthur. And, and of course, we shall ask them to stay to see you, gentlemen. Oh, we should be delighted. Uh, Elizabeth, dear, it's rather late, and I don't think... Oh, we... please, Elaine, it's so lonely in this big house, and we haven't had gentlemen callers in such a long time. Very well. Suppose you continue with your music, Elizabeth, until tea is ready. I'll chat with our two guests in the library. Oh, you are such a dear, Elaine. Oh, won't it be cozy to have tea before the fire again? Miss Elaine, we were sure you were dead. As far as the world knows, Dr. Watson, we are dead. Now that you two are here, I'm afraid we cannot keep our secret any longer. The fact is, we were on that ship with our father, Sir Percy, when it went down. But Elizabeth and I found a raft and made our way to shore. Yet you deliberately concealed the fact that you were alive. Yes, Mr. Holmes. After our father disgraced us, we... We wanted to hide from the world. And you've lived here in absolute seclusion for 30 years. Yes, Dr. Watson, for 30 years. No one else has ever been here. No tradesman, no other visitor. I go out only at night to purchase the necessities. Hmm, I see. Rather unusual situation, isn't it, Watson? I should say so. But, Miss Elaine, about your sister Elizabeth... I can't say I quite understand. Oh, Elizabeth, well, you see, I'm afraid she's a little unbalanced, Dr. Watson. The shock of the family, the disgrace, the disappearance of her husband, the shipwreck, all caused her to lose her mind. She actually thinks she's living back in 1872. Yes, so we gathered. But uh, as to Arthur Harvey, Miss Whitford, I presume you have not yet heard the news. What? Arthur Harvey is dead. Arthur? Dead? Yes. He was murdered here in London last night. Oh, I see. Well, perhaps it is just as well. Elizabeth was beyond our hope long ago. And she could not stand another shock. I ask only that you gentlemen humor her, as I have, while you are here. We will indeed. You can count on us, Miss Whitford. Thank you, gentlemen. And now, shall we go into tea? Thank you. 
Hmm, a most interesting tea, Watson. Well, here we are at the rear entrance. Joe's Holmes, it's fantastic. Those two elderly women living alone in this gloomy old house, living in the past, it... Holmes, what the deuce are you looking at? The surface of this long pathway to the street. There's a layer of coal dust on it. What of it, Holmes? They burn coal in the fireplace. Precisely, Watson. And you couldn't have failed to observe that the coal scuttle at the hearth was almost empty and that the two elderly ladies will need more fuel by tomorrow night. What the devil are you talking about? The Wickford sisters... Are not the Wickford sisters, Watson. They are clever imposters working with the assassin who killed your friend Harvey. You took your time getting that bucket of coal here tonight, Dudley. I should say you did, Mr. Solicitor. You've been late with it every night. What do you expect us to do? Freeze to death? Now, see here, you two. I'm sick and tired of having to carry that confounded coal up that long garden path. Oh, oh indeed, we... you're sick and tired. Yes, what about us, Margie and me, hanging about this old house, dressed up in these silly clothes, posing as a couple of balmy old ladies, the Wickford sisters? <laughs> you just have to see it through until the auction comes off and the authorities discover you living here. Oh, very well, we'll see it through. But we each get a third of inheritance, mind you. will get it, you'll get and it. And while we're on the subject of discovery, it might interest you to know we had a couple of gentlemen callers last night. Gentlemen callers? Who? Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Not that they found anything. We pulled the wool over their eyes with it. Sherlock Holmes? Precisely. Dudley. Holmes. Dr. Watson and I decided to return again tonight for more tea, Dudley. And I'd advise all of you not to make a false move. My colleague has a pistol, as you see, and he will not hesitate to use it. <laughs> Here in our rooms at Baker Street, this whole thing seems like an unpleasant dream. The whole thing was a clever, romantic swindle, eh? Yes, quite. Dudley killed Arthur Harvey to remove the last legitimate heir. Yes, but Holmes, how the deuce did you know that Dudley... The ticket punch. The ticket punch proved that the killer had made a train journey from Bloomsbury to Chancery Lane. And Dudley's office is on Chancery Lane. But the empty coal scuttle at the Wickford fireplace was by far the most salient clue, Watson. How? Both... Elizabeth and Elaine are elderly ladies. They needed coal to heat that sitting room. And neither was strong enough to carry a full coal bucket up that long garden path. But no tradesman could have carried out the task, since the secret would be discovered. Yet it had to be a man with a man's strength. And that man had to be Reginald Dudley. Precisely. Especially since Dudley was left-handed, and since I had noted a black smudge on his left cuff when I saw him at his legal office. Holmes, for my part, well, I'm profoundly grateful to that. After all, it was my personal friendship with Arthur Harvey that... Not at all, my dear fellow, not at all. I, I found the adventure most invigorating. And with your indulgence, Watson, I should like to add a, a final conclusion to your memoirs. Yes, Holmes? What conclusion? You may quote me, Watson, as saying that in my opinion, the violin is a much more pleasing instrument than the harp. <laughs> Well, Dr. Watson, that was an interesting adventure. Thank you, Mr. Harris. And, Doctor, what adventure will you relate to us next week? Next week's story, Mr. Harris, is called The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. It concerns some wild laughter, a lamp that burned by day, and a strange footprint 
in the garden. The makers of Clippercraft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockram. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Felton. This week's story was written by Max Ehrlich, with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Infantile paralysis knows no mercy. It stalks the country, leaving its hideous mark on helpless little children. It must be stopped, but it can't be stopped without your help. Millions of dollars are needed, so send all the dimes and dollars you can spare to the local March of Dimes headquarters. Join the March of Dimes. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Code. This is a mutual broadcasting studio. Welcome back. Well, they kind of tried to head fake us on this uh, episode, with Holmes declaring that the obvious solution that the lawyer did it might be too simple. Of course, it might be, but uh, it wasn't. Uh, this had some interesting uh, elements uh, going for it. Um, I kind of get a feeling, you know, it does feel like there was something more they could have done with this overall plot, but I'm not quite sure what. But another episode of Sherlock Holmes on Thursday. And speaking of Sherlock Holmes on Thursday, Patrick asked a question over on Facebook. I don't watch a lot of network TV except for The Simpsons. But are you going to watch the new CBS show, Elementary? The reviews have been good, but I hope it's not a knockoff of the very good PBS series with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I would like to hear your review. Well, thanks so much, Patrick. Uh, I actually hadn't heard about the series in advance. When I was down at the um, uh, Red Cross uh, for blood donation, uh, one of the gentlemen who was taking my information, he said, uh, you, might want, you might want to check it out because they know that I'm a fan of Columbo because during the longer donations, I sit there and I watch a whole uh, Columbo mystery movie. And so I came home and uh, CBS has it up on their website and uh, I watched it on Saturday. My overall thoughts on the episode, in some ways, it reminds, uh, and again, this is just based on the pilot, so the second week's episode, which I think I'll probably check out, may change my impression. But what it reminded me of, in a way, was uh, my my thoughts on Dick Wolf's L.A. Dragnet series. In my view, the L.A. Dragnet series was a police procedural which featured a sergeant, or a uh, Friday and Smith investigating crimes, 
but really did not tap into or try to portray the characters that appeared over television or and radio. Nor was there any attempt to update the uh, character to what, for example, uh, or how Joe Friday would act if he had been born in the uh, um, more modern times. And, you get, and I get the same feeling about this Holmes series. The name of uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, was introduced to give the show an edge. But in reality, the character is just uh, very uh, dissimilar. The PBS series, uh, Sherlock, tried to imagine how Sherlock Holmes would be like if he were born in today's times. Really, there are so many... Um, Disconnects, that's not really what they're trying to do. The long line of differences include things like the cases occurring in uh, New York City rather than in uh, London, Sherlock Holmes having a rich father owning property all around the world, Dr. Watson being a woman and not actually a doctor, but a physician whose license was pulled and who found herself working as com a companion to Holmes, who in this story, um, the television series, is a recovering drug addict. Now, to be honest, the series had much more of a uh, monk feel, with a particularly when you look back in the Sharona era, where you have a medical professional becoming a uh, assistant to an eccentric detective who is trying to make a comeback after a life-shattering event. The mystery itself was uh, was actually pretty engaging. I wouldn't put it quite up with a Columbo or early season, uh, first three season Monk, but uh, probably a quality of about a fourth or fifth season Monk episode. I do wonder whether the series will make it. Taking on the name of Sherlock Holmes uh, definitely does have some serious risk. Uh, that name it comes with a lot of weight, a lot of expectations, uh, and for me, uh, I, I don't necessarily feel that the show uh, meant a lot of those. Uh, in addition to that, Pilot had a few um, sexually suggestive scenes that may make some parents uh, uncomfortable, though this was a pilot, and often shows will change some uh, direction. On that as the series goes on. So my honest review after the first episode, I give it about three stars out of five and uh, wait and see uh, what else they have uh, on tap for us. Thanks so much for the question, Patrick. And uh, I found it interesting they chose Thursday, which is the same day I chose to do Sherlock Holmes. And we have a comment on um, Podcast Alley from W. Brower. Love to listen to the mix of detective shows when I on my walk and before sleep. I had to wait two hours for a new state driver's license. What a blessing to have them to listen to during the wait. Well, thanks so much. Sorry it took so long. Uh, must have been quite a uh, line there. Then I received an email from Bob who writes, I drive truck and really enjoy your podcast. I'm hoping you could send me an email as I'm always listening to your shows long after they air and would like to support your effort the next time you do a drive. Uh, that can definitely be a challenge. I know a lot of people listen behind and you know catch up on hundreds of shows uh, ahead of the ones we're doing. 
if you're listening to this, you know, uh, the times I'm going to try to, for the sake of that, to keep our uh, listener support drives to between uh, mid, uh, uh, twice a year, between mid-February and uh, early March, and uh, between mid-August and early September. So uh, that will always be the time we're going to do the listener support campaign, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, as they say down south. All right, well, that will do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Sherlock Holmes. In the meanwhile, uh, send me your comments, Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and uh, call us, 208-991-4783. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.